Life with Lisa Williams is brought to you by India Partners. India Partners operates safe houses in Mumbai, where children can escape the brothels and be relocated. A day in a safe house includes full room and board, full-time school for children, private tutoring, medical attention, counseling, and sharing the love of Jesus. If you want to find out how you can help, please come to lifewithlisawilliams.com. This is Life with Lisa Williams. There's this thought, it's a quote from Richard Rohr. I read it first in his book, Breathing Underwater. And then yesterday, when I was searching for something, I came across the quote again. And it is so powerful, it makes me go, wow, okay. And so I wanted to share it with you, just for you to think about. And I'd love your feedback at lifewithlisawilliams.com. Christians are usually sincere and well-intentioned people until you get to any real issue of ego, control, power, money, pleasure, and security. Then they tend to be pretty much like everybody else. We often give a bogus version of the gospel, some fast food religion, without any deep transformation of the self. And the result has been the spiritual disaster of, quote, Christian countries that tend to be as consumer-oriented, proud, warlike, racist, class-conscious, and addictive as anybody else, and often more so, I'm afraid. That's a quote from Richard Rohr in his book, Breathing Underwater. Okay, so am I the only one that that stops me in my tracks? Those words put together in those sentences, they give me pause. They cause me to hear echoes of my own thoughts in the past, but no one's ever talked to me about them, and I've never had conversations about these thoughts. When I think about these words that I just shared with you from Richard Rohr, I go, yeah, that's something I think I believe. We are sincere, and we're well-intentioned. We want to love our neighbor. We want to be good people. We want to help the poor. We want to do the right thing. But then if something comes up and it's, you know, against the ego or control or power or a money issue or something that we want that's a pleasure or our security, then oftentimes we react just like anybody else. So sometimes I look at Christianity, pop culture Christianity, 2015 Christianity, American Christianity, and sometimes my heart uh, um, withdraws a little and aches, and I wonder. It's, a, it's, it's just this thing that's always kind of in the back of my mind, like, are we doing any justice to the gospel when we make everything so commercialized and, and throwaway? Uh, how do I explain this? When you think about Jesus Christ, and for instance, let's think about Jesus when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is no small thing that he did. He suffered. He anguished in that garden. He was in agony because of the cross and taking on this burden that the Father had, had given him for us to carry the sins of humanity. He says we should take up our cross and follow him. He says we should die to ourselves. These are the things that have always been perplexing to me about Christianity. From the very beginning when I 
surrendered my life to Christ and entered into the kingdom of God, that I have struggled because the gospel has many things in it that calls us to this higher life that is, I mean, it's like, how, how, you know, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. What do you mean, Paul? What do you mean that, 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 that we no longer live? What does that look like? How do I live that out? When, when I'm down here stuck in the mire of, of TV ads and coupons and, <laughs> and new shoes and all these trappings of this existence, how do I live in this spiritual realm where I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live? And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. God, what is it that you're asking us to do? I don't think that he's asking us to live a typical existence. I don't think that God wants you to live a run-of-the-mill existence. I think there is a deep, powerful source, like like an endless bubbling fountain that God wants you to be saturated in, and he wants you, therefore, to be just in his presence, saturated, and then out of that is an overflow to your life. I don't see that happening in a typical existence. I don't see it happening like it just... I don't see it happening without a transformation of the soul. I'm going to read this quote again from Richard Rohr. Christians are usually sincere and well-intentioned people. Until you get to any real issues of ego, control, power, money, pleasure, and security. Then they tend to be pretty much like everybody else. We often give a bogus version of the gospel. It's like a fast food religion without any deep transformation of the self. And the result has been the spiritual disaster of Christian countries, quote, Christian countries that tend to be as consumer-oriented, proud, warlike, racist, class-conscious, and addictive as everybody else, and often more so, I'm afraid. Reading it the second time brought tears to my eyes at the very end. (laughs) I, I guess it's because it's a political season and you hear so many comments in this GOP race about religion, uh, people are talking about Christians and, and Muslims and who should lead and what's appropriate. And I uh, struggle with this reality. Our country was founded by men, most of them professing Christians who loved God. And in the experiment that is America, they created a place where you are free to worship God and you are free to not worship God and you are free to worship what I would call false gods. You can follow the one true living God. You can surrender your life to Jesus and you can talk about it openly. You can even have a podcast where you express your feelings without fear of retaliation or harm. But you are also free to be an atheist. You are free to be Hindu. You are free to be whatever, because that's America. And so... We're a Christian country because we were founded by Christians, because they used wise biblical principles to establish the country, 
But in the establishment of the country, they created a mechanism where you don't have to be a Christian. And so do we label other countries as Muslim countries, even though there might be thousands of Christians living in that country? So is that a Muslim country, even if Christians live there? And are we a Christian country, even though an atheist lives here? I've always struggled with this America being a Christian country thing. I don't get it. I really don't. If you are a Christian, surrendered to Jesus Christ, and you've had the supernatural spiritual event of you, you, your spirit, who you really are, becoming new in Christ, Jesus called it being born again. Those are Jesus' words. If you are born again, then your citizenship is elsewhere. You're in the kingdom of God, and your zip code could be anywhere. You could live in any country on the planet. And then I guess that's a Christian country, because <laughs> you in it. <laughs> the point is, when you get to heaven, he's not going to ask for your passport. Oh, you were an American? Well, come on in. That was a Christian country. If your citizenship is in heaven through the work the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you have citizenship in heaven and you remain here until the day you go there. Then while you're here, I guess on a special visa, <laughs> while you're here, the work that needs to be done is soul transformation. Why? So that you can be the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are a city on a hill There is a purpose to your life, and that purpose is found by soul transformation. You work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You seek his face. You read his word. You memorize his word. You go deeper, and then you go deeper, and then you go deeper. And then the word, which is very supernatural, it's like alive. The word of God is alive. I mean, I know that sounds crazy. You're like, it's a book, Lisa. No, it's it's a book. But the word is alive. It's sharper than a sword. It can discern the heart. It is, it's a living, breathing document that the Holy Spirit flows through. And, and so while you're here, you can continue just being like, hip, hip, hooray. I love America. And I do too, because it's my country I live in. And I'm, I'm a patriotic person, and I understand all the things that have happened to make America. It is rare. It is a rare experiment. But that ain't it. There's more, okay? There's, there's more. And I would start in Philippians chapter 2. I just think that's the place for you to start. To go deeper. You, you might already have a deep walk with Christ, and I just rejoice in that. If you know him and you understand that when it comes to things like your ego and your control in this life and your power and your money and your pleasure and your security, that all of those things are temporary. It is the spiritual things that matter and the transformation of your soul will bring heaven to earth. When Jesus prayed that prayer, our father who art in heaven Holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
His kingdom comes to earth. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as as it is in heaven. When you and I get on the narrow road to follow Jesus Christ, no matter what anybody says, no matter how it looks to outsiders, that you live a life surrendered to Christ, saturated in him, I guarantee you that if you take this path, you will be satisfied. I can't tell you it's going to be easy. Jesus was crucified. John the Baptist was beheaded. They say that Peter was crucified upside down. There's nothing about a Christian life that that says, and now it's going to be so easy. No, but it will be satisfying. And the supernatural piece of a life saturated in Christ, it's beyond compare. I dare you to go deeper with God. I dare you. I dare you. (laughs) Hashtag thanks for listening.